Morning, Christ Central. My name is Renika Cheney. I serve as a woman shepherd here at Christ Central, and I also have the honor of serving on our pastoral search team. <laughs> Today's reading comes from Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and chapter 3, verses 1 through 19. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk receives in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I've heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by, and in your anger, remember your mercy. I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. Pestilence marches before him. Plague follows close behind. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. I see the people of Kashan in distress and the nations of Midian trembling in terror. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? No, you were sending your chariots of salvation. You brandished your bow and your quiver of arrows. You split open the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watched and trembled. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands in submission. The sun and moon stood still in the sky as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spear flashed. You marched across the land in anger and trampled the nations in your fury. You went out to rescue your chosen people, to save your anointed ones. You crushed the heads of the wicked and stripped their bones from head to toe. With his own weapons, you destroyed the chief of those who rushed out like a whirlwind, thinking Israel would be easy prey. You trampled the sea with your horses and the mighty waters piled high. I trembled inside when I heard this, my lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Christ Central Church. Good morning. My name is Josh Kim. I'm a pastor here at Christ Central Church. We're glad you're joining us this morning as we are journeying through Book of um, Minor Prophets, and we're looking at uh, Habakkuk today. Um, 
Whether you're joining us for the first time or you've been joining us with us for a while, we invite you to share your life with us as we journey with the Lord. And before we dive into this text, I think it was a very encouraging text as we read, let's pray and ask God to open up our hearts, eyes, and ears to hear what he has in store for us. Father, we pray for that as we come with weary and burdened hearts, that you will teach us, speak to us more than anything, transform our hearts so that we'll be people made in your image, doing the works that you have ordained us to do for this time and this season in the city that you called us to be in. We thank you, Lord. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Amen. 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 I hate prayer. Can I say that? I hate prayer because I don't know how to do it. As I close my eyes, I sit in silence, I'm not sure what I'm saying actually makes any sense. Or let alone, is anyone listening to my cries of anguish? What's the point anyhow? I hate prayer because I don't sound intelligent when I pray. I heard a friend once praying prayers like, As the rivers of Euphrates meet the vast Red Sea that turns into the rain that waters the whole world in the promise of God, may you. And compared to that prayer, my prayers sound childish. And it sounds superficial at best. I hate prayer because I don't see an imminent change after I pray. In the culture where we expect to get what we put in, I often want results, but I don't see the results of my prayer right away. Why waste my time on spiritual discipline that doesn't yield immediate fruit and a growth that I see in myself and things I pray for? I love the sharing time in prayer time, but I hate praying through them afterwards. Anyone like me in this room? Anyone struggle with your prayer life, even hate praying as a result of that, or more accurately, because we struggle with prayer so much, we actually don't pray. We struggle to pray, we don't pray. When is the last time you spent time in prayer? I'm not talking about saying amen to whoever is praying up here, but in your own time, you prayed and had a conversation with God. As followers of Christ, when's the last time you actually said, Jesus, help me in a genuine prayer time with the Lord? Yes, we often say, sign me up to read more of the Bible or read books or join in outreach activities and service projects, all those great things, but prayer? Uh, No, thank you. Um, Struggling in prayer, especially for many of us, is an understatement. We know all the right tools and right things to do. I could coach you people like reformer Martin Luther who once said, I'm so busy today, I must spend my first three hours in prayer. Like, okay, wow. Or the missionary Hudson Taylor who once said, it is possible to move men through, through God by prayer alone. We're like, that's great. You're motivated now, right? And we also know Paul who tells us to pray at all times, in all occasions. We also know Jesus himself who told the disciples, stay awake and pray. And we know it. We know the importance of it. But how do we pray when we struggle with this so much? So if you're like me, when we come to Habakkuk's opening line in chapter 1, I see myself in the struggles of this praying prophet. My prayers are actually more like this prayer than the prayers that I want to pray. 
when Habakkuk says, this is a message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I cry for help? How, but you do not listen. The violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all the misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed. and There is no justice in the courts. Wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. That's a prayer that he prays. Habakkuk is one of the shortest prophets in terms of length in the Bible, and we don't really know too much about his background or history or where only thing that we perhaps know is the fact that he ministered to the kingdom of Judah as the Babylonians is about to come and punish for Judah's unfaithfulness. And we also find Habakkuk's prayer in these chapters. He is frustrated, frustrated as he looks to um, history and see Babylonians who are going to come and destroy. We thought Assyrians were bad throughout the history. We, you see Babylonians that come to power. And the question this prophet has is, what is God doing? And as we see a prophet in anguish, struggling, and it's almost like he's praying in the corner, praying out loud, and we are invited to eavesdrop on his prayer, in his anguish, his struggles as he comes before the Lord. And that's where we begin in seeing how we can learn to pray and how we can learn to love prayer and practice prayer. And first thing he demonstrates for us is complaining in prayer complaining in prayer. One of the places I love to pray is in my car, away from all the noise by myself. Oftentimes on my way to come to church office as I drive, and I start thinking, okay, I should pray for people as I drive by their houses and their workplaces. I think about that, and I think about all the different methods that you learn about, right? Many acronyms that you know you heard growing up, such as ACT, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and what is the suffocation, the heart, the pray, all those things that you learn that teach you how to pray that you are familiar with. And I start thinking, okay, I should start with adoration. And I start getting in my car, and I start praying, thanking God for who he is. And then a car cuts me off, right? And what your prayer now becomes, curse that God, Lord. How dare does that car do to me? How can you do this? May that car be cursed forever, right? That's the prayer that you pray. And then as I think about all the challenging situations that I'm placed in, and all the acronyms go out, acronyms go out the window, and I often left with, uh, all the things that I should have done that I didn't do, all the list of things that I should have done at the house that I didn't do, all the things I forgot to do, and all those things come to my mind, and I start to complain upon complain, complain, thinking, God, why am I here? Why is that car and that car and that other car cutting me off at the same time? Do they not have driver education down in the south? Like, why, God, why would I suffer through this? Why am I wrestling in life why am I in this family situation? Why am I in this school? Why do I struggle? Why do I have this type of issues in my life? Where can I find joy? I often complain a lot in my prayer life, a struggling prayer life at that. Do you struggle with that as well? After the initial complaint we find in verse 1 through 4, here comes the second one in Habakkuk's prayer in chapter 1, verse 12 through 17. And this is what he says, Oh, Lord my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely, and he sounds with adoration, right? But he says, surely, you do not plan to wipe us out? O Lord, our rock, you have sent this Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. But you are pure, cannot stand sight of evil. 
Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow people more righteous than they? Are we only fish to be caught and killed? Sounds so much like my prayer. Are we only sea creatures that have no leader? Must we be strung up on their hooks and caught up in their nets while they rejoice and celebrate? Then they will worship their nets and burn incense in front of them. These nets are gods who have made us rich, they will claim. Will you let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless conquest? In chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Herein lies the beauty, church, beauty of Scripture that we often tend to overlook. You know, God allows for you to come with your questions and doubts, and yes, even your complaints, especially when you pray. And it's not just found in this praying prophet Habakkuk that comes with this heart. We see it in the hearts of Job as he faces trials upon trials and trials. We see in the dialogue that God engages with Jonah, with Ninevites, on how he should have mercy. We see it all over Psalms as many psalm writers cry out to the Lord in confusion, depression, and frustration. And we see it with those prophets dealing with unfaithful Israelites and enemies that are bigger and better, better than they. And, they, and what we find at the end of all these prayers and complaints is God hears them, who allows these prayers to be quoted who allows this to be taught, to be sang, to be meditated, dare I say, allowed to be expressed to God who created the heavens and the earth. It's almost as if God welcomes these questions and doubts and complaints. If not, why would God allow these prophets to come and ask the Lord? So church, this morning as we come to worship our God, as we're told to pray, as we're told to worship the Lord, I, could, I think I could safely say, I don't think God is saying, come and make sure your life is in perfectly ordered before you come and leave those life worries behind you as you walk through those doors and leave those heartaches after the worship. You come and worship, raise your hands, do those things first, but come back to those complaints later. I don't think that's what God is saying. God is inviting us with our weary hearts and burdens to come and worship him. Yes, we do need to examine ourselves. Yes, we do need to remember who God is. Of course, yes, we need to do those things. But what we see in today's text in Habakkuk is you could come to the Lord with unexplainable things in our lives. And our God is big enough to deal with that. Time and time again, people in Bible, as we see God's people coming to God in desperation. And you don't come to, the, uh, you don't come to someone with desperation and say, well, okay, first of all, let me just tell you how great you are. And uh, let me just... Talk about how life is going. No, you don't do that. You go on with desperation. You come with your complaints and say, why is this happening in my life? Why is this happening to someone like me in their brokenness? And if you're honest this morning, we often start with complaints, the heartaches, and questions. And what we find is God meets with us right in those moments, right in those places. Church, are you questioning this morning? Are there things in your life you wonder, why is this happening? When can I get out of this? I am struggling with that. I absolutely struggle to remember how faithful God is as I try to walk with the Lord. I complain a whole lot. Just ask my family. They know it, but not only to them, but I complain a whole lot to God too. I ask, why, God? Often my prayers start with, why? 
Why God? Why? Why is this happening again and again and again? Oftentimes, that's how my prayers begin. Things that doesn't seem to make sense as I come to the Lord. And what I hear is God works and moves, but still I wrestle in that. So am I endorsing, complaining? Absolutely. Yes. But the key point is this. Complaining in prayer. In prayer means that you are at it with God, right? You are going at God as well as you are in this relationship with God. And this is what worship is, church. As yes, we come to adore who God is, we give him praise, but we also come to him with our open heart, with our honesty, with our complaints and our struggles. And Jesus invites us to come with our burdens in our shoulders. And God wants us to do is come to him and come to him foremost through prayer. As great theologian and pastor Francis Grimke once said, in studying Psalms, we get a pretty good idea of what prayer is. It is talking to God, telling him all about ourselves, our cares, our anxieties, our troubles, vexations, disappointments. In a word, unbossoming ourselves to him as we would to a confidential friend. We not only learn what prayer is, but also the comforting assurance that God wants us to come to him, wants us to confide in him. To roll our burdens upon him, we need never hesitate, therefore, about going to him at all times and under all circumstances. In order to obey what scripture says, to pray in all times, in all circumstances, we must learn to come to the Lord at all times, even in our complaints. Oh, church of God, will you come to him with a complaining heart, in prayer, all who are weary and burdened, come and pray to the Lord. That's the first thing we see of this Habakkuk's prayer, complaining in prayer. But second thing we see is this prophet asking, wanting in prayer. Asking and wanting in prayer. I was a youth pastor a long time ago, and I struggled to teach prayer. How do you teach someone to pray when you struggle to pray, right? I struggle to teach prayer. But I often ask myself, okay, I should at least ask our students for prayer requests. So I'll sit there and I'll say, um, all our teenagers, all the students are like, what is your prayer request? Let me pray for you. Let me write them down. And they would often say, well, pastor, I want to get an A on this test. I need my mom and dad to stop fighting. I need to get into that college that I really want to get into. And for some reason, thinking the prayer's got to be, quote, unquote, more spiritual, I would often say, so what is your real prayer request? Right? And they would look at me with wide eyes and say, as if to say, I just told you this. Those are prayer requests. And those are prayer requests, right? We are often so conditioned to think spiritually about things, but they simply ask for things, and we would say those are real prayer requests. And oftentimes, I would say the older adults here are less honest than our children. Our teenagers are often more honest, knowing what they really want, what they desire, and they express it. And if you are really honest with ourselves, our prayer requests tend not to be that much different. We come with all the wants and needs and desires, and that's actually what it means to pray, wanting and asking in prayer. Do you pray like that, church? And that's what we see in Habakkuk chapter 1, 5 through 6. You know you could come and ask for things? And the Lord replied to Habakkuk's desire, asking for deliverance. This is what the Lord says. Look around the nations. Look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own days, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. I'm raising up Babylonians, a crew of violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. 
in chapter 2, verse 2 through 3. Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that the runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end. It will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Here in Habakkuk's prayer, what we see is Habakkuk's prayers are in fact full of his desires, his wants, and he's asking for things. And what we see is a discourse, a conversation, a not one-sided homily, which shows that there's a relationship here as Habakkuk comes to pray to the Lord. So when I say you could ask and want things in prayer, it's not saying that God is a genie in a bottle where you insert your want and expect an answer. Right? Genie in a bottle is all based on the concept of transaction. But you come and you submit something and you get something in return. That's not what I'm talking about asking in prayer. What we see in Habakkuk chapter 1 and 2 is a relationship where there's conversation that is happening. As you come, you share, interact, cry, ask, wrestle, again, asking the Lord in prayer. And that's the key difference. And so just because you have questions and thoughts doesn't necessarily mean that God will answer what you want to hear. He may give answers that may not be in line with what you think. In fact, that's what makes God, God and you, you. God is the creator. You are a creature. God is omniscient, omnipotent, and you're not. Therefore, you come with all these questions. You could ask all these things, but God will answer them in his wise wisdom. And that's what we see God's reply to Habakkuk's asking for deliverance. Chapter 1, verse 5 through 6, Lord replied to him, saying, Look at the nations, look at the amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something that you wouldn't believe. God answers his desires and wants. doesn't say, don't ask those things. He doesn't say, stop asking. I got it under control. He doesn't say, he says, I'm doing something. Trust me on this. You may not understand it. I hear you. I hear you, but I'm raising up Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. I know this. I'm doing something. And that's what Habakkuk teaches us. As he asks God in prayer, God is in control no matter what. And God will act according to his character as he says. And for Habakkuk, as he prays for deliverance, that means Judah will be judged and will pay consequences for their actions and their sins at the hand of Babylonians. That also means, in fact, yes, what you're asking will come true. Babylonians will also soon be judged. Why? For their sins. And ultimately, it is God being himself will punish sin. And God goes in chapter 2 to show Habakkuk the answer to his prayer, showing about the atrocity of Babylonians and how God is going to punish that. And because for the sake of time, I won't go to read them all, but if you look at chapter 2, he lists all the things the Babylonians are doing. Verse 6 talks about the greed. Verse 9, injustice. Verse 12, violence. Verse 15, seduction. Verse 19 talks about idolatry. And we see time and time again throughout minor prophets and throughout the laws of God, God will punish evil and sin. God will do it. And God promised to do this at an appointed time. What Habakkuk is led to see after conversing with the Lord, saying, God, I want this. I want the evil to be punished. I want this to see happen. God draws out Habakkuk's prayer 
and comes to the conclusion in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, one of the most quoted and recognizable verses in all of Scripture, when it says, look, and be, look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. What this shows us is that God would judge Babylon in due time as asked by Habakkuk. But what happens is that Habakkuk shows us that we can rest and trust in God and to know that he knows what we need at the right time. Therefore, the righteous person, the one who trusts in the Lord, lives in that trust that God will answer in due time. Church, this is a prayer of surrender, of rest. And this is quoted three different times in the New Testament. Apostle Paul uses it in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. Again, in Galatians in chapter 3, verse 11. And finally, by a Hebrew writer in Hebrews 10, 38. In all those three instances, what's common is that each time the Habakkuk is quoted here, the phrase emphasizes the righteous person being this person relating to faith. Faith in whom? Faith in God. And that is in relational sense of knowing that even our wants and needs and our asking, God knows that. And he is in control. So the righteous ones are those who live in peace, of resting in God's grace, even as we ask boldly in prayer. Even as they ask boldly for God's deliverance, they rest in knowing that God will answer in due time. So church, As we come before the Lord in struggles of prayer, may we pray boldly in asking for justice. Ask boldly for deliverance. Ask boldly for evils to be eradicated. But also may we rest boldly that he got this. That we may leave this place boldly after prayer in peace that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we see from Habakkuk's prayer, complaining in prayer, asking in prayer. The final thing we see in this prayer is Habakkuk's growth, growing in prayer, growing in prayer. That's the last thing we see. Um, My home church used to hold these hours-long prayer meetings that you often hear about. Not the one where someone gets up in the front and throws out different topics for you to pray and share with one another for Um, for 10, 20 minutes at a time, or even those ones you break and share and to pray. More like this type of prayer meetings was for hours you're left alone and often in silence, alone in prayer. Think about that. And oftentimes in evenings, after a long day of work, you come. And I often go thinking, I need to go pray. I need to go learn how to pray. And I would sit there, start strong. I read a scripture, and here and there, I sit there thinking about all the things that I need to pray about, and I pray, and I look at my watch thinking about an hour has passed, right? I look at my watch, and five minutes passed. And that was generous. It's about three minutes that has passed, and I was thinking, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, I got two hours of nothingness here. As I lay there in my chair, I sat down on the ground, lay my head on the chair, and when you do that, what happens? The sleep beckons you. And I often drifted into sleep. I think I slept more than I prayed. I wonder how I grew in prayer through those times. My pastor used to tell me that you grow in prayer as you pray. 
And I used to hate that answer. I'm like, gosh, like really, there's no secret. Can you just pray for me? Like, thanks a lot. That's easier said than done. I don't want to do that. Or someone would say, you go, it's like a rubber band, right? You stretch it out a little bit, and you stretch it out more, and you could pray. It's all about length. And I was thinking, oh, I don't want to do that. But at the same time, it's true in any relationship, isn't it? Like, you don't start by having an hour-long conversation overnight. As much as we absolutely detest it at times, sometimes it starts with simple small talk. How's the weather? Great. And you talk about where you're from and all those things. It takes steps. It takes moments. It takes crisis. It takes lifetime to grow in relationships like that. And question is, how do you grow in this trust? How do you grow in these relationships like this? And what Habakkuk shows us is that you have to read chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Right? Chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Don't just jump to chapter 3, right? Because like all of us, what we see is Habakkuk's progression in prayer. As he's praying, we see what God does in Habakkuk's heart. And through this prophet, we see how we grow in our prayer life as well. What we see this prophet praying, if you were to hear his prayer in chapter 1, we see him growing, learning as he converses with God. He comes to the Lord with all kinds of complaints, saying, look at all these things happening, God. As he lays out what he wants and he says, God, what I want because of all this happening is I want punishment. I want evil to be punished. I want this and that in my life. As he wrestles with God in all those things, we come to chapter 3. And what is that? Testimony. Testimony of the one who experiences God through trials, through heartaches. As Habakkuk starts by saying in chapter 3, verse 1, this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. It seems like he's been wrestling in the beginning hours of prayer, of complaint and asking, wanting, hearing God's answer. And now he comes to chapter 3 and says, Okay, God, I hear it. This is my prayer. He says, I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And your anger, remember your mercy. When we think of testimonies in the church, we often think about the great deliverance, the great victories at the end. We often emphasize the end product more so than the process itself. But what Habakkuk is showing us is the importance of the process or growth, or as we say in Christianity, sanctification. Growth as he converses with God in prayer. And chapter 3, verse 17 and 19 is a fitting conclusion of Habakkuk and his testimony of this God. As he says, though the fig tree shall not blossom. Do you hear that prayer? I know we love this, but hear what he's saying. He's saying, even even if God does not answer my prayer, right, of what I want to see right away, this is what he says. Though the fig tree shall not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, the prudence of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, there will be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me th- uh, tread on the high places. The choir master with string instruments. Church, this is his fitting end, not the beginning. What does Habakkuk shows us as he wrestles in complaint, as he wrestles in asking all the desires, what happens is as he prays, God is working in his heart. God is transforming. And what he learns is that God is sovereign. God knows all things. 
God is in control of all things. And faith means to trust in that God and to rest on him for my good and our good and good of God's kingdom. And this confession comes after time of wrestling, fighting, struggling, praising, believing. As we see, Judah will face the punishment before Habakkuk's prayer is actually answered. And we get the benefit of flying through Habakkuk in about 30 minutes today, but I'll venture to guess it took him a while as he wrestled through this. It's not like, okay, I'm going to start with this 10 minute of complaint, 10 minute of asking, 10 minute of praise. Wouldn't that be great if that's the prayer? No, he probably started with, like, if it's my prayer, days of complaint, like hours of wanting and five minutes of praising God. But God is still at work. And we see what God does is as he draws out our confession. He draws out our testimony. He draws out our relationship. He draws out our faith in the Lord. Church, are you struggling in prayer this morning? Are you in a questioning mode, wondering, what is God doing in my life? Welcome to the club. I don't think Christians possess all the answers in the world by their lifestyle, but Christians know who does. And we point to the one that has the answers. We don't dare say we got everything figured out. Far from it. The reason why we profess Christ as the Lord is because we believe he is. Our God is good God who loves us, who hates sin, who hates sin so much that he has to punish evil, but he loves us. So he sends his son to die, but his work is not over yet. He rose again. He's at work in our lives until he returns. That's how you and I grow in prayer. This moment of prayer is a powerful time when God works in our lives to make us more and more and more like him, drawing our faith and confession, helping eyes heavenward to him, yearning for Christ to return. That's what it means to be Christ followers, not just being merely content with the circumstances of our world. In light of Black History Month, I thought of black saints of the past who endured through harsh slavery. And as we have seen through unspoken documentary, even through the hardships they went through, many turned to God to endure through this time, to find hope in many times, prayers that were not answered right away. Often it took a long time. Perhaps some of the prayers are not answered even today and quite often not during their lifetime. And I couldn't help but to wonder, what did God do with all those prayers? Like, why did these saints keep praying and praying and praying despite continual violence, continual denial of basic humanity, and continual loss of hope? You read prayers like, Sojourner Truth, who prayed, Oh God, you know I have no money, but you can make the people do for me. You must make the people do for me. I will never give you peace till you do, God. She will pray these prayers. Or Harriet Tubman, who will pray, God wants me. God was the Lord. I always told them, I trust you. I don't know where to go or what to do, but I expect you to lead me. And he always did. We read prayers from Rosa Parks who said, Dear Lord, I felt you would give me the strength to endure whatever I had to face. God, you did away with all my fear. It was the time for someone to stand up 
Or in my case, sit down. I refuse to move. And as Coretta Scott King would say, prayer is how we open our hearts to God, how we make vital connections that empower us to overcome overwhelming obstacles and become instruments of God's will. I am more convinced than ever before that prayer gives us strength and hope, a sense of divine companionship as we struggle for justice and righteousness. And as I ponder this, I recall what Dr. Barbara Peacock wrote about this. She said, how many days, how many nights did Mrs. King cry out to our holy God to give her strength to endure the numerous incidents of persecution and injustice? How many sleepless nights did she endure? How many tears did she shed? And she concludes by saying, only God can answer these questions because only God knows. Truly, her prayers were a comforting source of communication with her God. Prayer was her lifeline of safety and sanity during times of turbulence and uncertain circumstances when it appeared that the odds were against the movement and that there was no light at the end of the tunnel. Church, we heed to these great saints, our sisters of the past. We're reminded by them, despite the circumstances that surround us, to keep our eyes heavenward. Amen. Knowing our God hears, listens, and are brokenhearted. In brokenness, in complaints, in our ask, in our anger, in our disappointments, most of all, our sufferings and tears. God sees it. He will deal with it. And we know he has done it because he is faithful. So although we yet to fully see eradication of evil or dysfunction in our lives, evil may prosper despite our confusion for today, but one fact is absolutely true, that God will not let that pass by. He will send his son, he did, and Jesus died for our sins, and he will return again. He will punish, he will be victorious, and those who are found in Christ, who are deemed righteous because of their faith in Christ, who died on the cross, who rose again, will be found living in faith, believing and being vindicated and rewarded by him. All this is possible because who God is. So church, Let's complain, shall we? Let us request what we want and ask God to move in our lives. But more importantly, let's talk to our Heavenly Daddy, Heavenly Father, to grow in our love for Him and the mission of spreading who He is to the world by loving one another. Will you join me in prayer? Father, that's our prayer. We struggle Lord, we have questions, we have doubts. We don't know what we ought to ask for at times, and quite often, Lord, we actually don't know, and we often complain, and we struggle to trust in the Lord to come through. But Lord, we come with that heart, asking God to teach us what it means to trust in Him, to faith, have faith in Him. So we ask God this morning, as we wrestle in prayer, in the tears that we shed, the questions that we have, the desires we have for you to deliver us out of the mess that we often find ourselves in. We come to this table, to this place, begging, wanting, in frustration, asking, but also trusting that you will do your will 
at the right time. Help us to rest in that. Help us to come boldly to this table with that confidence. But most of all, help us to delight in what you're doing in our lives as you are carrying out your justice until you return. Christ, let me pray. Amen.